primal force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, Rebel Force Radio, Friday, October 19th, 2018. Wonderful to be back with you. Glad you could spend some time with us. Appreciate that very much. Got a great show coming up for you. We're going to get back in touch with the things that are on your mind this week. With a heavy focus on your feedback coming through to us by way of your voicemails and emails. Plus some follow-ups to uh, some of the stories we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, including Jimmy Mack's big investigative report on the new Wilhelm scream, the Wilhelm 2.0. And uh, so you've been uh, also paying attention and listening very intently (laughs) to all of the clues that have been dropped. Uh, I think we're getting very, very close. But uh, again, we have some uh, feedback and uh, comments from you coming up here on the program. And uh, with me, of course, our sound wizard, (laughs) my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. So happy to be back here on Rebel Force Radio to talk about all cool things Star Wars uh, and everything that's happening. And you're so right, Jason. I really do want to focus on some listener feedback this week because it piles up. You guys are never shy about leaving us messages on the uh, Rebel Force Radio voicemail hotline. And uh, I don't think that we dedicate enough time to our listener feedback. You guys are always calling us at 708-320-1RFR and uh, telling us anything and everything that's on your mind as far as Star Wars goes and all things happening in the Star Wars universe. So, Jason, I, I say we just crack open the voicemail bag. Is it a voicemail bag or is it let's uh, let's get the operators down at the desk and they are, you know, they're moving those uh, those those cords into the patch bay, you know, back and forth. They have the headsets on. Oh, those were the days. And they're working overtime. One ringy dingy. <laughs> Two ringy dingies. So here we go. Let's jump into the RFR listener voicemail bag. Hey, guys. My name is Ellie. I am in Los Angeles, California. I'm originally from New York, though. And I'm a huge fan of your show. So I know you guys have been talking about Star Wars Resistance. Um, I've been really into it, and I just watched the second episode. And something I really wanted to talk about is diversity in Star Wars because I myself am an Dominican-American and I just think it's so cool that Star Wars is diversifying and they're continuing to diversify because when I was growing up, I didn't have anyone in Star Wars who looked like me besides Lando, of course, and it was very frustrating and I loved all the characters. I had, like, every single action figure. I'm from the prequels age, um, and I grew up with the prequels, and I loved them all. But it was like, you know, it would be cool to see someone who looked like me. So I love how now with Disney Star Wars that's happening, 
And in Resistance, I love how it's an Asian-American and then two seemingly African-American people who are the lead characters, and then, of course, a bunch of aliens at BB-8. And you have, I mean, of course, Poe Dameron, who Oscar Isaac is Hispanic. And it's just so cool how Star Wars is so inclusive. And I think it'd be a cool discussion if you guys talked about that, because it's really awesome for us Star Wars fans who are the minority. But anyway, love your show. You guys are super cool. And I totally fangirl if you guys, like, featured me as your voicemail on the show. So, <laughs> Thanks. Love you. Bye. Oh, Allie, prepare to fangirl out. Uh, yeah, so diverse. You know, I always considered the Star Wars universe to be quite diverse. Uh, and, you know, growing up, I, I just looked at, you know, whether it be the cantina scene or the Jabba's palace scene. I mean, Star Wars was just populated with so many very, very unique individuals. I mean, you think about Chewbacca, right? You know, a lot of the the characters that George introduced were kind of predicated on this. Don't judge a book by its cover, you know, so Chewie uh, looking like, um, you know, Bigfoot. Right. But, you know, extraordinarily intelligent, extraordinarily emotional. He was sort of a a rock for uh, Han throughout their uh, escapades together uh, and an extraordinarily competent and wonderful co-pilot. Uh, you think about the droids, but I know what. But I know what Allie's talking about, and and of course, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. I remember we had the great Dan Madsen on the program many, many times, and uh, Dan is. Uh, I don't think he would mind me saying this, but Dan is a is a little person, right? And uh, Dan was so inspired, and one of the reasons why he became such a big Star Wars fan was he was so inspired by Yoda because Yoda was, you know, quite quite short, diminutive, but yet had this incredible power. And uh, you'll often see, you know, Dan with like the judge me by my size, do you uh, T-shirt on there. And uh, so I can really understand you know, hearing in Dan's story why it might be inspiring for you to see someone in the Star Wars universe who reminds you of yourself in some way. So... Allie, if, if, if the Star Wars Resistance cast is something that you're finding inspiration in, uh, that's wonderful. And I think it's great. And uh, as long as they're telling great stories, that, that, that's really my prerequisite. Tell great stories. I don't care what color, uh, what sex, what race, what species the characters are. Uh, just tell great stories. You know, it could be to Gruten female or it could be a completely inanimate droid. Uh, tell great stories and create really compelling characters. Yeah, it's pretty cool how we can take lessons from Star Wars where you see humanoids interacting with species from other planets, regions, universes all coming together. And, and it sort of gives you this idea, hey, you know what? That's an inclusivity right there. They don't bat an eye uh, based on someone else's uh differences and everything and then to uh, take that one step further you get to a movie like rogue one where you clearly see that even humans are sharing their diversity on screen alongside the aliens and you're watching it all come together so nice and perfectly and i think it's great that ali can look at those movies and say hey i recognize that there are people in there who are like me and they're interacting with everyone else on an equal level and i i think that's what having that sort of diversity in Star Wars really is all about. 
Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, part of George's genius was, and Jim, we've used the term before, where he really tapped into something, and this was this was not by accident. This was really by design. He tapped into something that was uh, almost primal in the sense that how we relate to the characters in the situations. His study of the hero's journey uh, throughout uh, all the great mythologies of. Uh, you know, whether it be organized religion, you know, going back um, thousands of years, the way we tell stories. And what I think is great about the Star Wars, sort of the, 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 the nucleus of the Star Wars story about how anyone can be a hero, is that you can really see yourself and read yourself into these stories and into these characters. Um, you know, I've said it many, many times on the show, and I, you know, I grew up in a in a family dominated by females, very, very female, a lot, of, a lot of female cousins and whatnot. And, uh, you know, half of my cousins wanted to grow up and marry Luke Skywalker and half of them wanted to be Luke Skywalker. It didn't really matter. Um, they found a way uh, to relate to it. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful that people are finding themselves and their story in the Star Wars universe for sure. So, Allie, thank you so much for the for the voicemail. Uh, and I hope you are fangirling out because it's been our pleasure to have you here. Um, the Wilhelm Scream investigative report. Uh, well, wait, I, what am I doing? What am I? I got to give it a, an absolute proper introduction. We can't just say the Wilhelm Scream investigative report. <laughs> All right, the Wilhelm Scream investigative report continues with some listener feedback. Uh, so, Jim, if you want to share this one from Scott, and I've got one to throw at you that came in through the, uh, the emails. All right. This whole Wilhelm Scream investigative report all started many years ago when Matt Wood told us that there is a new scream that was then uh, first introduced in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And he said that it was in there somewhere and we uh, should be listening closely because it's a new scream that we're going to be hearing in movies, more so than the Wilhelm scream. Well, the Wilhelm scream, I don't know how retired it actually is. I'm, I'm still hearing it from time to time. But in Star Wars films, it may have been finally put on the sidelines. So Matt Wood tells us that the... Sound effect is now, for lack of a better word, retired. We've decided to move from the Wilhelm scream. We're letting the past die, and uh, as Kylo Ren says, and we're gonna. We, we've started another scream that we like. That's uh, actually been in this film, and it's been in Rogue One, and it's been in some other films that are not Star Wars related. But it's a, it's a, it's our own little calling card that we're putting in there. We'll, I'll, I'll let it gestate in a few more films before we uh, start talking about exactly what it is. But we've we've got a calling card, very special scream in there that that people would like to know about. But um, we're going to keep it on the DL. There is a new scream we should be listening for. So I've brought on members of the Rebel Force Radio Investigative Report team. Guys like Scott Armstrong from Patreon, who uh, brought us a Wilhelm scream a few weeks ago when BB-8 is in the Scout Walker in that scene from The Last Jedi, and he has opened fire on the First Order, and uh, you hear 
uh, a guy scream, and uh, Scott Armstrong thought, hey, you know what? That scream could be the new Wilhelm. And, and he said, hey, you know what? He reached out to me again, and he said, Jimmy, the one that Cookie Jones sent you guys last week sounds like the last Jedi Wilhelm I brought to your attention. And so I'm like, oh, my God, what is Cookie Jones, what the hell is he talking about? What the, oh, I was like, oh, of course, Joe Lombardo, Joe Lombardo, another member of the RFR investigative report team has checked in and he uses the, uh, the call name Cookie Jones Jr. on Twitter. Mm. Joe Lombardo had uh, ear spotted, according to Joe, what he considers to be the Wilhelm 2.0 in the solo film when Han is driving his speeder into the tie factory and there was uh, some guy there who's like working in there and he dives out of the way, that tie factory on Coruscant. So I'm like, okay, wait wait a second. Now, my head is spinning here. So Scott is saying, if I go back and listen to that BB-8 in the Scout Walker sequence from The Last Jedi, I'm going to hear the same scream that Joe Lombardo, a.k.a. Cookie Jones Jr., recognized in Solo. So I was like, hmm, how did this one get by me? I better take it down into the sound lab, the RFR sound lab, and check this out. So first we're going to listen to uh, New Wilhelm Scream Contender Number 1. This is from The Last Jedi. And this comes to us courtesy Scott Armstrong from the RFR Patreon community. This is BB-8 shooting at a stormtrooper. Boy, that was fast. A quick one. Yeah. One more time. Mm, So I I call that one contender. (laughs) Okay, so that's the wah. So he says, well, go back and listen then to... The one that Cookie Jones Jr. brought to our attention from Solo. So here is uh, Wilhelm Scream contender number two from Solo. <laughs> Sounds similar. But mm-hmm. I, I, I placed them back to back. And they didn't exactly sound the same. So there's a little difference in tone, right? Yeah, definitely. But I know what definitely. goes on over there at Skywalker Sound, okay? These guys are messing around with every little audio waveform that pops up on their computer screen. And there's a lot of things you can do digitally to manipulate the sound. So I started messing around with the pitch of the scream. You know, you get a lot of variety out of a single piece of audio if you merely... Move the pitch up and down. So I experimented with this, and uh, this is our uh, contender number three for the new Wilhelm scream. This is the same sound from Solo with the pitch raised just a little bit. So now it's starting to resemble the Stormtrooper getting shot by BB-8 and the Scout Walker from The Last Jedi. So I've put the two together back to back. This is the original sound from The Last Jedi compared to the scream from Solo, but with the pitch raised just a little bit. And let's see how they compare. Oh, that's it? They're virtually identical. Yeah. Let's hear that again. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. There's differences in the mix as far as how loud the volume is yeah. in the overall mix, because, of course, I don't have the individual stems that make up the sound mix, so I can only go with the raw audio I take directly from the films. Uh-huh. So, you know, I try to play around with the channels a little bit just to, you know, really find where the sound actually is in the stereo mix, but I can't fully isolate it. There are things you can do like phase reversing the audio, which will extract the center channel to a degree or diminish the center channel, depending on how you want to play with it. I didn't do any of that stuff in this investigative report. I hear it loud and clear. When you put that scream from Solo back to back with that scream from The Last Jedi, it's the same scream. So, okay. All right. Now, I know I promised last week that I would have a conclusion to this investigative report. But unfortunately, I cannot offer conclusive enough evidence because we know that the first placement of this new scream happens in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, there's another scream that's going to be on the horizon here that uh, we'll see, but we're not ready to talk about yet. Okay, but it is like another old, from a vintage film or yeah, something? Yeah, it's from something that yeah. uh, will be funny, but I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna... Oh, you're such a tease. I'm a tease, yeah. You're a tease. Yeah. Well, it's we'll in Indiana Jones and the, and the uh, Crystal Skull. 2008. So, I went through that movie again. I scrubbed through it for the second time trying to find that very Wilhelm scream that we hear in Solo and The Last Jedi. But I can't find it anywhere in the mix. I just can't find it. Now, it could be in there and we don't audibly hear it. But what's the point then? Of right, even having right. it in the first place. Wilhelm was so distinctive, and you always knew you were hearing the Wilhelm when you heard the Wilhelm. So why bury it in the mix? It's not really an Easter egg if nobody can find it. Now, Joe Lombardo, a.k.a. Cookie Jones Jr., did say that Matt Wood liked his tweet when Joey Lombardo tweeted that evidence to Matt Wood. He got a like. But... Even though that we're finding the same scream in two films, I cannot confirm it as being the new Wilhelm. I just can't do that. I'd like to, but I can't. I think we're on to something. Okay, here we're hearing the same scream being used in two films. But, of course, you know. How many screams they got over there at Skywalker right. Sound? These well, guys are mixing down movies left and right, you know? I mean, they're like yeah. farting out sound mixes constantly. So the, the resources are limited enough. And, and, and nobody, unless you're a complete psychopath, will go picking through the audio soundtrack like I did. Well, I, I, would, I would assume at this point that you will go back and revisit Kingdom of the, of the Crystal Skull. Dude, I've already gone through it twice. How many times do I have to go through that thing? So there's no trace of this scream. No trace of that scream at all in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. If there is, I haven't ear spotted it yet. So, right. I mean, you know, I, I, I found some contenders from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that might be worthy of investigating further. Because I believe that is is where that is the nucleus of of the truth. It all mm. is there in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and uh, there are several contenders 
Yo, you hear? I mean, there are some good screams in there. Mm, there are. I got an email here from Rick Graham, and he's asking you, uh, hey, guys, I'm a couple weeks behind on RFR episodes, but I just finished up the episode where you had a few possibilities on, on the new Wilhelm scream. Mm. On the clip you had where BB-8 commandeers the ATST and fires on the troopers, the scream sounds a lot like Lando's scream, when the Sarlacc tentacle wraps around his ankle in Return of the Jedi. How meta would it be if the new scream came from an original Star Wars film? His scream in that scene is very distinctive. And here we go. We'll take a little listen. All right. Here it is again. Let's do it. See, now I listen to that and I think, well, that's definitely Billy D. That's a great scream, though. Yeah, and one that could be incorporated. It could be incorporated into so many different things. I think that would be a great Wilhelm scream, but I I haven't heard any evidence of that actually. Now, can I hear that again? Yeah, that's definitely not the same scream. No. Yeah, you want to hear the the, the Billy D scream again here? Yeah, I do. All right, here we go. <laughs> See, I think that's really Billy D. I, I, no, that is Billy D. Yeah, that's yeah. not just uh, they didn't call up like James Arnold Taylor to come in or anything. Right, right. That's not a voice double. I think that's really Billy D. I'm stumped. I am encouraged by the fact we have discovered a non-Wilhelm scream being repeated in two different Star Wars films. Yeah, that, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. We're we had that to, much closer. We had to mess around with the pitch control to actually confirm that, but I think we did. Yeah, there's uh, there's no there's no question. One last time here for those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. But I, I have noticed as I review a lot of these screams, it does sound like it comes from the same person quite often. You know, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. there's that scream again you know, coming from that guy now. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it sounds just like that other guy. Um you know, this stuff happens so fast and furious. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the average film goer would never even register any of this. Like I said, you have to be a complete pop culture psychopath to go this deep into exploring it. And uh, I, I would feel bad if I was the only one, but I do have an investigative report team who uh, shares uh, their psychopath tendencies with me. So, uh, hey, we're we're starting to form a... A movement now. This is the Wilhelm movement. It's become larger than us, Jason. It really has. Uh, so, you know, hey, I'm, I'm putting it out there because I want to encourage anyone to uh, give a close listen to these movies. You know, we we rewatch these these films so many different times. And a lot of times it's fun to go in there with a, a, a purpose. And when you rewatch a movie, you've seen 500 times. And if it's trying to isolate a certain scream here and there, I would love to hear whatever kind of results you have. So uh, keep in mind, show at rebelforceradio.com is uh, the place you want to send an email, show at rebelforceradio.com with any sort of evidence you have. Um, our, of course, our uh, crew over there at the uh, Rebel Force Radio Patreon community, you guys have been all over it, and we've been having a lot of fun 
trying to figure out what this successor to the Wilhelm scream actually is. Wilhelm 2.0. We're not finished yet. We still have some work to do. But I I like the fact that uh, the evidence is now being fully analyzed in the RFR Sound Lab. And uh, this is an ongoing operation. Uh, so I, I feel very good about this. Uh, we need some funding, some government funding, though, to uh, <laughs> help. <laughs> Can you imagine? I could probably get a grant for this. Maybe. Maybe. Or, in this day and age, anything goes. Or I could just make a phone call to Matthew Wood. But that would be too easy. All yeah, too easy. Do no, I don't want to do that. Where's the wanna... challenge in that? Yeah, plus, we'll probably both get in trouble if that happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of funding, let's talk about our, uh, our Patreon community, our wonderful community over at Patreon. And uh, so, you know, we do love all of our sponsors that we've had. We've had a number of sponsors over the years and uh, that have supported the show. And we think very highly of all of them. But we also think very highly of you. And love you guys, our listening community, who have made it clear that, uh, you know, all things considered, you would prefer an ad-free Rebel Force Radio. Well, you can help us maintain an ad-free Rebel Force Radio listening experience by uh, joining us over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio. Now, we are slightly under our goal. We've told you that if we can maintain uh, 600 members in the RFR Patreon community, that uh, we can continue to guarantee shows free of advertising. So please help us make that a reality and join the Rebel Force Radio patreon community with your donation you'll have access to bonus content uh and uh including exclusive shows like rfr rush hour the q a uh, higher quality audio downloads of the weekly rebel force radio and access to releases from the rebel force radio vault rare convention panel recordings concerts ringtones outtakes and so much more at patreon.com slash rebel force radio now jim i know recently you've been very busy on the patreon um feed and you just sent out i believe the main event this is the big john stewart george lucas interview at celebration five right 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 right. i've never shared this particular audio recording before and uh, i've gotten a lot of great feedback from listeners especially on our facebook page and in the patreon community on the facebook page people started posting up their photos they took of that day in 2010 out there in orlando when George Lucas and John Stewart took the stage for the main event. To me, it was one of the most exciting Star Wars convention experiences of all time. There was just a, a tremendous buzz about it. I mean, in just the title alone, the main event, it was a really big deal. Um, I think the biggest news that came out of that entire, uh, that entire experience was the uh, announcement that... The Star Wars Blu-ray was complete and on the way. And in addition to that announcement, uh, we also got to see a clip of that sequence where Luke is rebuilding his lightsaber on the planet Tatooine in Return of the Jedi. Now, of course, listeners to our podcast uh, got confirmation of the (laughs) Blu-ray, the eminent Blu-ray release, probably about uh, six months prior to George Lucas's announcement, uh, much to uh, Lucasfilm's chagrin, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just in a conversation we were having, and you know, some yes. some some wrists got slapped and what have you, and uh, 
you know, it, it kind of blew up the internet a little bit, but. Uh, well, it's all water under the bridge. That's now. all water it's, under the bridge now. Come on, are you kidding me? As a matter of different fact, company. You know, it's uh, no one. Uh, yeah, I have uh, released the uh, highest quality audio that you'll ever hear of the John Stewart George Lucas main event from Star Wars Celebration Five. It's available to members of the all access tier in the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community. So. Uh, join us now. It's a really fun community that's uh, grown up over there, and uh, we're still building. We're still growing, and uh, we know a lot of people are listening to this show, and we certainly would like you to expand your Rebel Force Radio experience and join me and Jason with uh, a lot of bonus audio and exclusive shows over there, and we, we'd just be happy to uh, have you there and, and share a lot of great stuff with you. So it's all happening there at Patreon com slash Rebel Force Radio. Here's an interesting question for you. This is just something that, that, that I noticed. You know, as I walked around uh, the convention hall, there were R2-D2s full size uh, being moved around like laser guided. Some were hovering. One made me a sandwich. Like how? <laughs> you know, the struggles that you had in, in, in filmmaking, what is it like to come here and, and see this room filled with working droids? Well, it's a tragedy. <laughs> It's one of the great ironies of life, which is I spent literally eight years trying to get R2 to work, to go more than 10 feet in a straight line, to be able to have one droid that could actually kick his leg out and go into the tripod position and move forward all at once. Um, in the end, the, droid, the droids, there were eight of them, were so uh, inadequate um, that we had to take a fiberglass mold of one of them and put it on a couple of sticks and run some with some wagon wheels on it and pull it by a string. <laughs> and here, they have the most beautiful R2 units you'd ever possibly imagine. They're magnificent. Yeah. It's uh, a little crazy. If, if only I could make another Star Wars. There goes the interview. <laughs> you, you do realize now none of these people get any sleep tonight. Now it's going to be. He's, make, he's, he's making another one? I didn't know he was going to make another one. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, episode nine, actor Dominic and part-time Hobbit. Dominic Monaghan. He's full time. Monaghan. Yeah, he's full time. Monaghan. Oh, the, the G is silent. No, no, no. G in there. No, I think Dominic Monaghan is uh... Dominic Monaghan. Okay. Well, you, you've seen him in Lost. You've seen him uh, in uh, Lord of the Rings, and he, you're going to be seeing him uh, coming up in Star Wars Episode Nine. Now, he was on a podcast recently uh, called Distraction Pieces. Yes. Distraction Pieces is a show hosted by a guy, um, a, a British actor slash rapper. Yeah, 
distraction pieces. Uh, look it up. It's an oh, interesting oh, show. Uh, Paul Bateman. Paul Bateman. <laughs> you, you mean P. Mac Bateman? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no. This distraction pieces uh, podcast is uh, you can find it. Uh, the, the guy um, who hosts it, his name is Scroobius Pip. Scroobius Pip. And he's a he's a hip hop dude, and he hosts the Distraction Pieces podcast available okay. at scroobiuspip.co.uk, and he's had everyone on his show from Simon Pegg to Russell Brand to this crazy guy Dominic Monahan, mm-hmm. who's such a likable guy too. I really liked him as Charlie and Lost, and of course as Mary the uh, the um, the Hobbit. Great acting performance he did in those films for Peter Jackson. So here he is uh, sitting in on the Distraction Pieces podcast. And, oh, newsflash, if you haven't heard, Dominic Monaghan has joined the cast of Star Wars Episode Nine. So this, of course, comes up in the podcast itself. And we have a few clips, Jason. In this first clip, Dominic Monaghan talks to Scroobius Pip about the fact that he desired being in a Star Wars film, but never really was able to get to that level as J.J. was going to shoot The Force Awakens. And he was even invited out to the set at one point. I I would check in and go, how's it all going? How's the galaxy far, far away? Wanting to just, as a friend, lend support and and help him out, but also remind him of what's going on. So the Mm -hmm. the first thing, I was aware pretty quickly that that was a bust. You know, he was like, look, Come visit us. We're in London. We're in these locations. I'd love to see you. I'd love, I'd love for you to, you know, come to set. And I attributed it. I said, that's like being a chocoholic and being invited to a Nestle factory. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You just, it, it, I'm too close to the storm, you know. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. I love you. But, but that's, that's hard for me to do, you know. Yeah. And he knew it. He got it too. In this next clip, Jason, Dominic shares with us the experience of what it was like to finally get that phone call saying, you're going to be in the next Star Wars movie. The World Cup was on, and he said, I'm about to finish this first draft, and he said, I just, I think I've found a character that goes through this script that works for you, you know, right age, right sensibility. So uh, there we go. And I was like, amazing, that sounds great. And then we were, England were playing Colombia in the World Cup in a knockout game first time in England's history that they ever won a World Cup penalty shootout. And at the start of that game, because JJ's a mother in the best way possible, he emailed me and he said, I think I have a Star Wars part for you. And I wrote back and said, brilliant. I won't bother you, but let me know if there's anything I can do or anything you can say. And he wrote back and said, if England beat Colombia, you're in. And I was like, (laughs) oh, mate, you bastard. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, it's just like these uh, Europeans. Everything rides on those silly races. Oh, it's races? Those are soccer well, I, I matches. Was, I know. I was, channeling, I was channeling Shmee Skywalker. Oh, I see. Okay. Everything right, revolves it, around those awful races. <laughs> but, you know, it, you can totally see the, 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 the family resemblance in the way that Shmee sometimes talks in the way that... Uh, Anakin sometimes Oh, yeah. Talks. God, I'd never made that connection before. Yeah, Comparing... everything revolves around those awful races. I'm sorry, Master. I am trying. I hate sand. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I almost hear Shmee saying those Anakin lines. Yeah. Crap, they should have casted 
Pernilla August is Anakin Skywalker in Eps yeah. 2 and 3. But, hey, we can't turn back the clock. I can almost hear her saying, Qui-Gon, let's find somewhere quiet. Uh, there was a lot of speculation about the two of them back in the day. Oh, there, there was. sure was. Oh, absolutely. I remember all of the uh, predictions going into Star Wars Episode One. starting, I, I think I probably heard this uh, first time around 1995, 1996. Oh, well, you know that Liam Neeson is Darth Vader's father. Oh, is that true? Oh, it's going to be true. It's Qui-Gon Jinn Skywalker is his full name. Don't you know this? Don't you know this? Oh, if we were podcasting back then. (laughs) Oh, I think we were. Just nobody was recording it. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I was I was having all these conversations back then. Absolutely. You and Pete there in the cubicle factory, <laughs> you know, sitting yeah. around next to each other, killing time, ignoring those phone lines that were lighting up right in front of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry if you had an insurance claim back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. But, uh, you know, the good old days are here, I think, uh, as we look forward to Star Wars Episode Nine, a movie yeah. I certainly never dreamed could have uh, occurred back in those good old days. And, and here we are. We're looking at it launching uh, uh, you know, a little over a year from now. Uh, so, uh, oh, by the way, um, before we get into more Dominic Monaghan, there's been a lot of chatter online about when that first trailer is going to drop. Okay, now here we go. Oh, now we're going to we yeah, we're going to start stressing out about that again. When's <laughs> this next trailer coming? Oh my god. Um early speculation and predictions are saying that we will see the first trailer, a teaser during the Super Bowl in January. Okay, yes, I have heard this. I've heard this, which would uh, fit, I think, the timeline. I feel like it makes a, a lot of sense. But and uh, that's going to be happening on February third. Okay, and the word is we're going to get a teaser. If you've noticed, the last few Star Wars films have gotten that teaser during the Super Bowl broadcast. Am I right? Haven't they done something for? Uh the last few films during the Super Bowl? I think so. Yeah, I believe Solo had something in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or some football game. I don't know. You know they all look alike to me, all these football games. Being the Star uh, Wars guy who would often get invited to Super Bowl Sunday parties, uh, I'm, I'm thinking mid-90s here for all you old fogies like me and mm-hmm. Swank. Uh, when... The Darth Vader Energizer Bunny commercial <laughs> debuted during the Super Bowl. I forget which one it was, but it was in the mid-90s. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God, everyone wanted my analysis of that commercial after it aired <laughs> because I was the Star Wars guy. And, of course. And back then. We'd, it, we, we'd have done a whole uh, roundtable on that back then. <laughs> We had nothing else. Uh, I wish we had the round table back then. Jason, why didn't we have it? I don't know. What was FJ thinking? (laughs) What was FJ thinking? We have to know these things. (laughs) Oh, by the way, it's Super Bowl 53. Super Bowl 53 is happening February 3rd, 2019. Well, wait a minute. Is it L-I-I-I then? Yeah, yeah. It's lie. Okay. Lie. 
but let's get back to a, a better show than ours. The Distraction Pieces podcast with Scooby's Pip. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. I, I've had Scooby's Pip Envy for the last 15 minutes now because he's sitting there with Dominic Monaghan. And uh, so they've discussed the moment when he received that call to go to a galaxy far, far away, something he's, he's always wanted. Judging on hearing his experience visiting the set, he said uh, it was like being a chocolate addict in the uh, Hershey factory. I don't know what he said, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. but but so now it's happening. Okay, now he's getting called out to the set and everything, and uh, or or set visits uh, are going to happen where he's in front of the camera, and so Scooby's Pip. Uh, tries to, of course, dig for a little information, and Dominic offers what he can, which isn't much. Because Jay's a friend of mine, he had said to me, you know, at some point you'll get an opportunity to read a, read the script. It's obviously under lock and key. He said, just just be aware of the fact that there's massive sequences in Act 2, there's massive sequences in Act 3, but because we're uh, shooting Act 1 first, I've put you in there, and you seem to not be around as much in Act 2 and Act 3, but yeah, that's because yeah, that's yeah. what we're doing first. I want yeah. you here. I want you invested. Yeah. So he said, read the script, but just know that it won't be long until there'll be a redraft of those things, and we'll see you a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read it, and the script is amazing, and uh, obviously there's not a lot that I can say. So mm. there you go. Not much. Yeah. Say, but he does reveal he's read the entire script. And it's amazing. And it's amazing. His voice seems so much different. Doesn't it sound like he? It sounds like he's been uh, gargling with gravel or something. He <laughs> yes. uh, he's got smoked a lot of a few, sandpaper. Uh, smoked Lu- a few luckies there. Maybe maybe wrapped uh, in, in sandpaper. But yeah. um, he does sound a little uh, rough there. Um, yeah, but you know when, when you, you you picture him there, you kind of yeah okay. I all right. Whatever, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm making excuses for him. He smokes four packs a day. <laughs> uh, He's a hobbit. They're always smoking. <laughs> oh yeah, they're those smoking. Pipes. They got that weed that they like. Yeah, that, the hobbit weed. What, what do they call that stuff? Oh, that's the finest in the Shire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, what is that? Uh, let's see. I'm looking it up. Hobbit. They got a weed. They have a, a hobbit. A, a certain weed. weed that they enjoy. And uh, uh, pipe weed, the pipe weed, of course. But there's a, there's another term for it. It's the finest in the Shire. You know, th- there's not much smoking in the Star Wars universe outside of that one guy in the cantina. Of course, Jabba the Hutt smokes. Oh yeah, he smokes the the hookah pipe. He's got the hookah going. But uh, the <laughs> the guy in the cantina, uh, he was um, he was uh, smoking a hookah too. And his he he they actually turned him into uh, a, a vampire type character in the uh, expanded universe, you know, because of course everyone in the cantina had their entire story fleshed out. Oh, I mean, even the guys, yeah. even the, the characters you'd even see, you know. Um, but uh, what was his name? The smoking guy in the cantina, Jericho, right? Danic Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. Danic Jericho was a smoking guy. He's, he's got the pipe. He's got the pipe. And, and he does get a close-up shot there. When I was a kid, I thought it was a water pick. But then I realized... <laughs> <laughs> a water pick? 
And then I realize, uh, well, I no. care about the dental hygiene there in the galaxy far, far away. I thought, you know what? I shouldn't laugh. I thought it was a screwdriver. Oh, well, you know, maybe. Yeah, like because they don't have toothpicks in Moss Eisley. Yeah. I thought he was a droid, humanoid, android thing uh, with a screwdriver. Yeah, he's just like, you know, drilling his teeth. And uh, and you're like, whatever. I mean, look at all these freaks in this cantina. It was really weird. It was kind of disturbing, the story they told about Danic Jericho. It was in the Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina novel, which was a collection of stories. One of my all-time favorite expanded universe books. And uh, they would always talk about him. He was like a vampire type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And he would like suck people's souls from them. And, and instead Ooh. of their blood, he would like suck their souls. And, and they would, would refer to it as drinking the soup. And it was just drinking the soup. It's like so creepy. Hey, with Halloween coming up, d- dig up a copy of Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina and read about Danic Jericho and his soup fetish. And uh, if that doesn't creep you out for the uh, holidays, uh, I don't know what will. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so they, you know, and they said like he had these weird, these weird things that would shoot out of his cheekbones to drink your soup. What? Yeah, that's how he would consume your soup. Cheekbones? These these little cheekbone sort of um, like wormy kind of appendages that would come out and he would attach them to you somehow and he would drink your soup. Mm. This okay. is stuff, you know, Jason thought the guy was just sticking a screwdriver in his mouth. I it, did. I, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the screen right now and I'm thinking, yeah, absolutely. This uh, this guy he's sticking the screwdriver in his mouth. But no, it's totally different. Well, I and here I just think he's smoking a hookah. And that's how we got on our radar here while we're talking about smoking in Star Wars, which is something you quite honestly don't see too often. But well, no, I mean, 3PO and R2-D2 did PSAs against smoking back in the day. R2-D2, you found a cigarette. Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Oh, I'm very I, against oh, smoking. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's a that's a great PSA, and I remember seeing that as a kid. Actually, oh I, yeah, uh, a CBS Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, I, I think I uh, saw that there. But back to Dominic Monaghan uh, and how that all ties in with him. Uh-huh. Um, how did how did we get into smoking in Star Wars? Anyway, he was talking well, about he was talking that the voice was kind of low. Oh, oh, right, right, uh, gravelly, and I said, "Well, the hobbits are no stranger to smoke." It's remember those pipes. Remember, we got into a big argument once about uh, Hayden Christensen smoking yeah, on the set right. of Star Wars Episode 3. And someone, I think, sent us a photo of him and Ian McDermott, the, the, the Palpatine, and they're copping a butt on the side of the stage. Yes. And I, was yes. Like, I was like, oh, but how could Hayden do that? He's such a infit tennis player. But, uh, no, he was copping a butt there, and that's fine. Um, Actually, some of the earliest shots that we had of Hayden Christensen on the set at episode two, I, I, I remember these very vividly because I, I, I was in college at the time. 
running home after you know after the last class, getting into my apartment and looking up online to see if there's any you know new Star Wars news. And one of the first shots I remember seeing of Episode Two was uh, Hayden Christensen. I believe he was on a little scooter or something on the uh, back of the of the lot, and he was smoking. And I'm like, wow, he's kind of like a James Dean type guy, you know, sort of a, a badass type. But that was one of my first impressions of of Hayden Christensen. Okay, so this guy's smoking. Hey, no judgment against Hayden. I used to no, smoke. No, I, I used to smoke cigarettes too, and I, I'm so thankful. I'm 12 years off of those things, and uh, I'm sure Hayden I'm smoking is right now. Uh, oh yeah, well, y- y- you of course are very well known as being a, a, a smoking kind of Star Wars guy with that toothpick in your mouth or that uh, screwdriver in your mouth. <laughs> well, the reason I say toothpick is because of course he's picking his teeth with the screwdriver. There are no toothpicks on Tatooine. There are no trees on Tatooine. How could they get wood for anything on the planet Tatooine? There's no wood. No, not happening. <laughs> not happening. All right, speaking of Tatooine, uh, we talked... Just ask Cammy. There's no wood on Tatooine. Wormy. Okay. Uh, remember, see, they called him Wormy. That was Luke Skywalker's flippin' nickname on Tatooine. Okay? Yeah. His high school buddies called him Wormy. Well, that's also his, his nickname on Octu. So it actually comes back... Late. You don't hear it, but it is. They they all refer. You know all those uh, turtles. Those little turtles. Uh, to, yeah, the turtle. The the, the yeah the little uh, lady turtles. They refer to him as Wormy. And you know what turtles do to worms, right? Actually, when he went to that sea cow and was extracting milk from its udders, uh, it made this little sound that was like Wormy, Wormy. Uh, <laughs> not true. Uh, oh, but speaking of Tatooine. Yes. We spoke to a guy a couple weeks ago who actually was acting in those scenes in Tatooine, a.k.a. Tunisia, back in the mid-'70s with guys like Mark Hamill, Alec Guinness, etc. A guy named Rusty Goff. Rusty is well-known as being the gonk power droid, (laughs) and he also portrayed Jawa in the original Star Wars, and he played Kabe. In the cantina sequence, that little mouse bat that was reaching up for a drink and making that little squeaky sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was Rusty in there. And uh, so Rusty hung out with us a couple couple weeks ago. Uh, Me and Kevin Lyle had a discussion with Rusty, and you could hear that on Rebel Force Radio from a couple weeks ago. uh, First show of October, I believe. And... uh, Rusty appeared at Super Mega Fest with Kevin Lyle, and uh, Kevin hosted a panel with Rusty. And we have full audio of this panel, which we'll make available to everyone in the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community, regardless of your tier. That's just one of those we're going to throw out for everyone, and that will be coming up this weekend. But uh, Rusty Goff at the Super Mega Fest with Kevin Lyle, and Lyle always asks a question for me, okay? And usually when I get the request from Kevin, I'm like, you know, sitting in my underpants watching Major League Baseball playoffs on a Saturday afternoon. And it's like, I need a quick question for Rusty. I was like, okay. So, I mean, it's great. Kevin always wants to include us. 
Right. Um, but you would just talk to Rusty at this point. Eh, just, so, I'm like, well, you know, I kind of uh, questioned out. A little bit. So, uh, so I threw a question at him, and uh, Kevin asked it in the show. And, of, of course, he always has to sort of, like, uh, 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 portray me in a, a certain juvenile kind of way. You'll hear what I mean by that. Uh, I do have one online question I forgot to mention. We have uh, Jimmy McInerney, a nine-year-old from Chicago. He wants to know, did you ever uh, <laughs> suffer from heat stroke or overheating in your time in Tunisia during Star Wars? Because no. I liked heat. I oh, you do? Yeah. I even with this sack and they said, sit by this rock for half an hour while we take the photo. Well, hang on a minute. They're in a tent. <laughs> Getting cold. Awesome. Never. I do like heat. And that really starts me. I like going to on hot places for holiday. Do you see like to go to Thailand and things like that, right? Isn't it hot? Thailand, yeah. That's pretty yeah. hot, right? I like Koh Samui. That's an ideal place. If people ever want to chill holiday, Koh Samui, that's the place. <laughs> Cheap and beautiful. Okay, well there. So you heard uh, Rusty talking about his cheap and beautiful. That tropical, sounds like my prom date. Tropical vacations. Hey, listen, I've taken a lot of cheap and beautiful tropical vacations myself. <laughs> like you know, Rusty likes the heat, so he said it was yeah. no problem. You know, yeah. even wearing all the apparatus and everything. Yeah. It's, I, it's a great question. I mean, you would think. That uh, with all of the strife and struggle uh, the, the, for that for that shoot, that he may have had some troubles there. But well, nope. you know, you know where that question actually was sort of inspired by uh, was uh, watching some of those making of Star Wars videos back when I was a kid. The making of Star Wars videos, a great video. They included it on the Blu-ray release. It was an ABC special hosted by R two and three PO. And uh, it was—it's just really great. Uh, William Conrad does the voiceover narration. Canon for uh, you fans of '70s cop shows, uh, but he—he uh, uh, he does the narration for it, and it's fantastic. And they—they they would show there was a, a kind of a, a droid blooper reel right in the middle of the uh, special, and it showed a lot of guys walking around. I, maybe even Rusty in that crazy. Power droid get up, you know, walking around, gonk, gonk, and he just goes head, he does a header right down. I wondered if, if there was any sort of problems with the heat that way, uh, or if that was just clumsiness on the uh, part of the droid performers. But uh, Rusty, you know, tough as nails. He doesn't care. He's going to go out there and he loves the heat. You could cover him up, you know, put a refrigerator over him and he'll walk around and stuff. He doesn't care. So what a trooper, you know, and, and hats off to an original trilogy player, a contributor to the original trilogy who who uh, did what he had to do to bring that magic to the silver screen. Rusty Goff, Rebel Force Radio honors you. Okay. <laughs> I just it. I wanted it to sound big, you know, I mean, yeah, for yeah, a guy like perfect. Rusty, you know, I mean, forget about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, we do want to take a brief pause here and thank our good friends at Squarespace for sponsoring this week's show. Uh, you know, there's so much that you can do with Squarespace. It uh, it's actually uh, builds a website for you. You don't have to know very much about building websites. Squarespace has you covered. You can turn whatever your latest and best idea is, you can turn it into a website very quickly. You can showcase your work, you can blog, you can publish content, and 
The best part is that Squarespace does all of this for you. They've got incredible templates created by some of the world-class designers and developers. Uh, Also, an e-commerce functionality that allows you to sell virtually anything online. And we are encouraging you to make it. Make it yourself. You can easily create a website just with an army of one yourself. And you can make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website. Check out squarespace.com slash RFR for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code RFR. Save 10% off your first purchase of a domain or website. So check them out at squarespace.com. Once again, that's slash RFR. And by the way, we use Squarespace for the official Rebel Force Radio website. Check out squarespace.com slash RFR for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code RFR to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do it right if you're going to build your own website with squarespace.com slash RFR. Let's find a voicemail here. Hey, guys, this is Josh from Pittsburgh. And I was just listening to your most recent show about... uh, resistance and a lot of people have been talking about the animation style and I was watching it and I thought it was pretty interesting because it reminded me a lot of another show a lot of people have been tossing around like anime and things like that but it reminded me of the um, Tron Uprising show that was on um, Disney XD from about, it was like one season, it was uh, in 2012, 2013, something like that. And I just noticed they had a really similar visual style. So I, I did some, some research looking into it and it is the same production company. Um, it's a company called, uh, I think Polygon. And apparently they are handling production on both, uh, Resistance and Tron Uprising. Um, well, the now canceled Tron Uprising, but it's the same company. So I thought that was really interesting uh, that this uh, production company is somehow connected to Disney, and uh, now uh, Lucasfilm is using them to create their new series. So I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing once I realized what was going on there. So uh, what do you guys think? Thanks a lot. Bye. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm not. I'm not familiar with. Uh, I gotta confess, I have never seen Tron. Oh, hey, never seen the film, never saw the sequel, oh. and certainly didn't see the animated series. But I do recall uh, seeing commercials for it. Oh my! And goodness. so, just my memory serves me, and I, I it, yes, very similar look. So yeah, um, same production. Oh, I love Tron as a kid. It, it was the first movie that featured. Actual computer graphics integrating with live action. I think it was the first. They made a big whoop-de-doo about all that back then. And uh, I just remember it very fondly because I was in uh, Wakanda, Illinois. Uh, Not the Wakanda that Black Panther's from. This is a different Wakanda. Spelled differently with a C, not a K. Uh, But I was there, and I I just always remember that as a kid going into that theater uh, with a full pizza. I, I thought I was rebelling against the popcorn stand. And I went in there with a full pizza. Totally defiant, too. And I got looks. I did get looks. Because, sure. back, listen, back then, the only thing you ate at a movie theater 
were boxes of candy or big buckets of popcorn. There were no hot dogs or nachos or pretzel bites. Nowadays, I, I you know, the waiters are coming out. And they're bringing, you know, five-course meals and things. I'm like, what the hell? I'm here to see a movie. But, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, uh, you, you know, most normal movie theaters just typically had candy and popcorn. End of story. Nachos, yeah, kind of came in on the scene and... It was you know I I love nachos, not making taking a stand against nachos. But let's get back to Tron Uprising, okay? Tron Uprising was an animated spinoff of the Tron franchise. Tron returned uh, with the second Tron movie. I, I don't have all my Tron facts in front of me or dedicated to memory, but. Uh, Oh, our friends at the Techno Retro Dads are Tron experts. And they oh, actually, yeah, yeah they had a, a, a Tron spinoff show at the time of this animated series, which was just a few years ago, uh, maybe uh, five years ago or whatever. But uh, Tron originally released in uh, 1982. And uh, I think uh, Tron Legacy uh, was the uh, follow-up film. And then Tron Uprising was the animated series. Yeah, I'm I'm looking here and I'm seeing the uh, the voice cast of Tron Uprising, uh, leading off with Elijah Wood. That's right. You got uh, Bruce Boxleitner. You got uh, Mandy Moore, uh, Paul Rubens. Lance Henriksen. You got a lot of uh, really really talented people here. And uh, it was and it was a visually uh, cool looking show, but yeah, now that I think of it, there are similar elements in the appearance of Tron Uprising. When you think about Star Wars Resistance, it's uh, it's interesting to put those two side by side and think about this uh, animation company Polygon. Uh, they're involved in the process of creating. Star Wars Resistance. I remember back in the day, uh, Lucasfilm, they uh, definitely farmed out some uh, things beyond Lucas Animation. They used a company called CGCG. I I remember Dave Filoni talking to us about that. And uh, Polygon. It's interesting to think about that company as being owned by Disney and now working on Lucasfilm Animation projects, uh, much like uh, the Tron Legacy, which is, of course, a Disney-owned property. It's interesting to me to see the integration of Lucasfilm Productions into Disney Productions. I I think we're going to see a trend where Disney absorbs more of the creative process when it comes to making Star Wars. I wonder how long, like, the Lucasfilm limited production company will continue to exist as a standalone business? Will it continue in the same fashion we've always known it to? Or will it eventually become absorbed by the Disney machine and essentially consolidated into the major company? I'm I'm not, you know, lighting off any kind of alarm saying that that's happening right now. But I think realistically speaking, that is something that could happen down the road. That's all yeah. mere speculation on my part. Right. You know, and, and, and by, you know, thank God I'm not a stockholder because I'd be accused of uh, some kind of insider uh, 
<laughs> putting it out on a podcast. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I listen. I'm just a dipshit fan shooting stuff out of my ass. So don't don't pay any attention to me when it comes to that stuff. Uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, here's Antonio from New Jersey. Hey guys, uh, this is Antonio from New Jersey, and I am um, finishing up right now. Literally finishing up the uh, the tenth viewing of Solo. Uh, since I've gotten the, the home edition. And, uh, man, I, I, guys, I gotta just say, this movie gets better and better with every viewing. And I would just ask you to continue to herald it and get behind it because I saw what you did with the Clone Wars as I literally lived through that in the sense that I was skeptic of it. It was your talking and your show that turned me on to why that should be something I get into as a Star Wars fan. I did, and I haven't looked back since in that sense. And I just hope you apply that same sort of power to Solo, because every time I end up watching this, I love it more and more. And I mean, it makes me smile in the way that when I watch New Hope, I smile. It's adventure, it's high fantasy, and gosh damn it, Aaron... Han Solo should be Harrison Ford, and yet here I am sitting watching this kid and loving every single minute of it. I hope they lean into this cast of characters going forward because they've got a gold mine with these guys. Anyways, as always, thank you so much for doing what you guys do. Keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, please just Keep getting behind Solo. It's a movie that really does deserve it. All right, have a good one. Bye. All right. Well, you're certainly not alone, Antonio. Well, there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there that have uh, been championing the Solo film for well, since it was initially released to theaters. Uh, but it really does seem to have picked up a little bit of traction on on uh, you know since the home video release i don't know if you saw this jim somebody created an animated gif where they have superimposed harrison ford's face over top of alden ehrenreich in a few key scenes oh my god so they've gone back and they've used this sort of uh, uh ai um and uh they've kind of face match this with some uh, old clips of Harrison Ford. Now, the, I got to tell you, the first thing that crossed my mind when I watch it is, wow, Alden was really good. Because I, I, I'm looking at this, and yeah, okay, so it's Harrison Ford. But beyond that, I, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, done extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Uh, not that I wouldn't mind seeing Harrison Ford, but good God, you had the perfect guy in there, in my judgment. Uh, maybe not the perfect guy, but certainly someone who's v- greatly qualified to step in for the role. I think he made it his own. I think he borrowed from Harrison Ford. Uh, he was certainly rooted in that um, uh, in that character. And, uh, you know, uh, wizardry or not, I'm totally fine with uh, continuing to watch Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo in these films. Yeah. Uh, and I certainly, I, I certainly, um, I sympathize with Antonio that, 
these are that that was a movie that was that really deserves to have a sequel. I think. Oh, it sure does. It really does. And I was uh, I I loved Antonio's voicemail. I I thought it was it was great of him to. Um, I mean, I, I felt really touched by the fact that he, actually, you know, thinks that um, we helped the Clone Wars along its way. And, and during those early years, it, it certainly was kind of like that. It felt like that. And uh, so I was like, wow, if we apply that same passion, because that's all it was, was not, you know, it was passion. If we apply that to Solo, wh- where can we go with it? Uh Number one, the whole Harrison Ford thing you were just talking about. It's that was a tough pill to swallow to have someone else jump into that cockpit with Chewbacca, the same Chewbacca pretty much is, you know, and hats off to Jonas and hats off to the production crew for really making me feel like I was back with the same Chewbacca. Okay. Mm-hmm. I really did. I don't know. Did yeah. you have any hang up with Chewbacca and Solo at None. all? None. None. Not at all. None whatsoever. All. Yep. The, the way he looked, from the way he was shot, from the way he walked, uh, total tribute to the great work Peter Mayhew did establishing that role. And I felt the continuity between the two actors was. Just perfect, and it has been. I think the the last Jedi showed us Chewbacca, uh, you know, weird, you know, he's roasting up those porgs and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's got those he's got those big uh, brown mitts that you're so fond of. Yeah, yeah, those. Yeah. Oh, I read a Marvel comic the other night that had the big hand there, and it was it was it's amazing. Um, because back in the day, you never really saw Chewie's digits. He, he had the long fur that covered up his hands. Right. And uh, yeah, I guess that plays tricks with the dexterity of the guy wearing the suit. But I don't want to think you, about you that. You assumed that there were, uh, you know, that there were hands under there. Yeah. But, you know, you didn't get too close. Right, right. It's like, you know, when you got the, the long-haired shepherd and... You know, you know he's 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 packing some junk in there, but you, <laughs> it's there, you know, but you don't have to see it. Um, so same thing, Chewie, uh, he's great. I love Chewbacca so much, and I think that uh, Alden's Han does get better and better with multiple viewings. Like I said, Han Solo, Harrison Ford, very thin line. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's hard to disassociate Harrison from Han on first blush. But the more you watch Alden and repeated viewings of Solo just get better and better because you start to see, oh, my God, this is this is like young Harrison here. This is like Mm -hmm. a young Han. And uh, I find it I, I accept it more and more and more and like it more and more. I like Alden a lot, and it's uh, it's refreshing to watch him over and over again. I don't know if cinema is necessarily the place to continue this story. I would love to see an 8 to 10 episode season of a live action series featuring Han and Chewie and Kira and Darth Maul. And let's get this story really cooking now. 
You know, why? You know, I, I think the future for something like that could be television. Now, I know Alden hasn't really done any TV, uh, but uh, that shouldn't dictate his commitment to the character. It has been noted he has signed a three-year or three-film deal to continue playing the character of Han. But Amelia sure. Clark, I mean, she's very active in television with Game of Thrones on HBO. And, of course, um, you know, Jonas, just call, yep. just call Jonas. I mean, <laughs> God bless him. He, does, he is Chewbacca as far as I'm concerned. And I have ultimate dedication to the original trilogy actors who, who created those roles. Yeah. But, and you've and you have been uh, somewhat critical over the years of uh, of the way Chewbacca is portrayed. I know you've uh, yeah, questioned yeah. Uh, various hairstyles. Uh, the years. <laughs> How are those hairstyles. Well, I'll tell you. Don't get me going on hair. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, with with Chewie in The Force Awakens, I watched that film almost from an editor standpoint trying to decipher which sequences were Peter and which sequences were Jonas. Uh, in the early days, I referred to Jonas strictly as Stunt Chewy. I'll be honest with you. Stunt Chewy. He was Stunt Chewy. All right, so he was doing the stuff that Peter wasn't able to do. Yeah, but I think it's even broader than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see minimal amounts of Peter Mayhew actually... On screen in The Force Awakens. I think the lion's share, or the Wookiee's share, is Jonas. Uh, but I spent a lot of time trying to pick that apart. Mm-hmm. There were just certain sequences where I said, well, God, there's no way Peter Mayhew with two knee replacements is doing that move down those ladders no, as no. they're placing those explosives. And so then I started to think of Stunt Chewy. And real chewy, and that's so unfair to Jonas. But the baton was being passed. Now, when I watch The Force Awakens, I these thoughts never cross my mind. Trust me. <laughs> I, seriously, it, it feels more seamless to me now than ever. Now that I've seen Jonas as chewy, one hundred percent in The Last Jedi, and in more importantly, Solo. And that's when with Solo, I'm really like. Yes, this is mm-hmm. Chewbacca, and it's great to know there was collaboration between Peter and Jonas. And uh, I haven't even said Jonas's last name yet because I'm not really 100% sure how to pronounce it. It is a Suatomo. Suatomo. I've said that so many times, yeah. but I still don't have the confidence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for? But I'm just being honest, um, and I, I think it's, it's a tribute to what Jonas has been able to do to make me say the Chewbacca tradition proudly continues. And I think that it's something that can continue even beyond the Skywalker saga. I would love to see Chewie become something of a constant in Star Wars films as they continue beyond 2019. Wherever that baton is being passed, whether it's being passed to the Game of Thrones guys, Benioff and Weiss, or someone else, I would like to see Chewbacca be that constant. 
Maybe even the droids too, because the droids yeah. were always supposed to be that constant through the whole thing. But I, I like having Chewbacca there through the whole thing, and I, I, I think that his mythology was sort of reset in The Force Awakens when it was revealed that at 200 years old, Chewbacca isn't considered to be old for a Wookiee. He's merely entering the prime of his life. He hasn't even hit mm-hmm. middle age yet. Yeah. Wow. I love that concept. That is one of the best sort of reimagination of his legacy um, mm-hmm. and his legacy story up to this point. Because I always considered Chewbacca just to be old and wise. But for a Wookiee, he's just a kid. So I, I, I love that. And, and to me, that builds the potential to continue the films with Chewie maintaining a presence of some sort, even if he's entirely detached from the Skywalker saga and Han Solo and all those adventures, mm. you know, doesn't even have to mention it. Yeah. Well, they'd yeah. have to. Easter egg for us old timers. The the old get off my lawn gang. Say that. I feel like I should be uh, exactly that, sitting in my uh, wheelchair and yelling at clouds. Star Wars is going to be 42 years old soon. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, we are in the 42nd year of Star Wars. And uh, so it's interesting to see it grow. And uh, while we while we don't, um, amazingly, it's incredible how that happens. Jason, Jimmy, this is Jared from New Orleans. Uh, I was just listening to the latest episode. You guys were talking about the new uh, live action series, The Mandalorian. You guys were doing a lot of discussion about uh, who was going to be this uh, this Mandalorian, who was going to be under the helmet. Uh, people speculating, will it be an alien? Will it be a human? Well, I'm going to speculate that possibly we will never see who's under the helmet. Uh, you know, I personally like the prequels, but a lot of people out there didn't. And one of the things that they didn't like was the fact that it kind of removed some of the mystery from Boba Fett. So I could almost see this being an attempt to bring that mystery back to a Boba Fett-esque character. And I think it 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 just may be something that they may be trying to do is, is we actually never will actually see who is under that helmet. Um, and just it, let it be a mystery, kind of like it was back in the day with Boba Fett. So let me know what you guys think. Thanks. Well, you know, that was uh, one potential... Uh, idea that uh, Paul Bateman had on this program several years ago, which was, you know, putting the mystery back into Boba Fett. And one way to do that would be to sort of break the continuity between the Daniel Logan version of Boba Fett and the Boba Fett that we meet in the Empire Strikes Back. So uh, along these same lines, we've got Jared from New Orleans uh, hoping for something uh, very similar um, I, I like the idea. I think that it would be a lot of fun to, I love the idea of a lot of, of, uh, of mystery. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if I, you know, if I see the character under the mask or get to know that character, that it's going to, in some way, uh, make it less, uh, you know, uh, compelling for me or, 
because uh, I, I, you know, I want to get to know this person. I think if we're going to be sitting with this person for 13 episodes, we're going to need to get to know him. Agreed. Agreed. Unless it's a situation where we're dealing more with the people surrounding him than the actual Mandalorian himself. I would like more of a character study. I hadn't thought of that. You know, think about it. You know, he's just a, you know, he's there, he's around, he's, but he's not the, you know, he, he doesn't provide the human element to the story. It's the people around him that do. And his interaction with them. He shows up like twice an episode, like the Hulk did in the old days with the <laughs> Lou Ferrigno, you know? You can almost say oh, your yeah. watch to it. Okay, 25 after and 45 after. Here comes Hulk. You That's can, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. That's when the kids were, you know, go crazy. Yeah, you can almost get ready for your evening out. You can... Uh, you know, uh, go have dinner and then come in 20 after, see Hulk, and then go take a shower and come back out and be there for 45, see him again, and then you're ready to go out for the night. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we did weekends back in the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, but I think... I think the Mandalorian is going to be more of a character study on the Mandalorian himself. And I think we're going to get to know this character with his helmet off. There have been names that have been teased via rumors for who could potentially play this role. A name I heard was John Leguizamo. He was a great actor. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine John Leguizamo is the Mandalorian? Nothing more than a rumor, okay? Pablo Pascal also mentioned. Hmm. Less um, familiar. Pablo Pascal from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know his character's name. I just tried Googling it, but he's from Game of Thrones. What do you need to know? What, what I mean by that is that he's probably qualified to segue into the Star Wars universe because we've seen that happen Several times now. Gwendolyn mm. Christie. Yep, yep. Uh, the actress who plays Jessica Pava, uh, the X-Wing pilot. Uh, there's, there's several others. Mm. But I, since I don't watch Game of Thrones, uh, don't hate me for that, but uh, I am pretty much committed to just being a Star Wars pop culture kind of guy. You know, that's, that's really where I get my rocks off when I want to kill some time. I pick up a Star Wars Marvel comic. I grab a novel. I pop in a Blu-ray or a DVD. We have animated series. We have so much happening. I, I just, uh, I don't share myself with too many other franchises. I really don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I am looking forward to that Watchmen series that's coming up on HBO, but, uh, other than that, you know, I mean, I just, uh, I, I'm very casual about other pop culture franchises or superhero things or Game of Thrones TV series. I, uh, I probably dedicate more time to being a sports and music fan, uh, and, and that's where my pop culture sensibilities Go. But I'm, you know, I always am good to pick up a comic book or something, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but but to commit myself to something like Game of Thrones right now uh, seems to me to be like signing up for military service. <laughs> I, I just I can't really fit that into my sketch. 
Well, I've been I've been psyched out because they talk about just how many characters there are. There are particularly in those first few seasons, they're introducing all these characters, and then of course uh, halfway through, uh, everybody gets killed. Uh, I know that just because you couldn't possibly escape all the headlines is like that in Walking Dead. Whenever there's a you know big character kill on Walking Dead, hey, I, whether I, you're watching the show or not, you're I, gonna I do see watch the Walking stories. Dead. I I, 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 know, I know you do that. I, I, I don't take do it that. seriously though. I, I don't take it seriously. Wendy is constantly shushing me during that show. <laughs> I don't take what it you, seriously. What are you cutting up and stuff uh, while you're watching? Yeah, Looking sometimes. And, uh, like, remember last week when Bill was talking about watching the original trilogy with my dad? And he would yeah. say things like, well, you know, this could never happen, Billy. I, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I, I think I've kind of sucked in that sort of skill from him. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do tend to cut up a little bit during The Walking Dead. <laughs> All right. Between that and total revulsion as to what I'm seeing on the screen. But somehow I I sit there and I watch it every Sunday. There's a new episode. So not not, not quite the uplifter. No, Uh, not necessarily. No, you know, but yeah, Game of Thrones. I watched the pilot. Uh, My wife and I, we watched it a few years back and we enjoyed it. It was okay, but there was nothing that happened in that pilot. And I, this is not a criticism because I know that most shows need time to find their footing. Um, but there was really nothing that, that it offered that I said, oh, I, I've got to get into the second episode and the third episode of the fourth episode. You just fourth episode bailed the after the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't mean to. Uh, we intended to go back, uh, but never did, which I think speaks volumes. Um, whereas if you compare that to, say, when we discovered 24... Uh, now I'm dating myself a little bit. That's it's been some time. But when 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 that happened, uh, you know, like we didn't sleep for two or three nights, just yeah. binging and binging on 24. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, it either clicks with you or it doesn't. In the case of this particular thing, uh, it just in Game of Thrones, I, you know, it just didn't call to me afterwards. I get it. I get it. We binge hard on Breaking Bad when we discovered that on Netflix. That was a good one. But again, you know, vastly different from anything that happens uh, in the Star Wars universe. And uh, I think uh, I'm with Jason. I I think we're going to see more of a character study of the actual Mandalorian himself. I do think there is the potential the Mandalorian will be sort of floating around the perimeter while things happen to... Real humans, you know, going through life uh, that could happen. Yeah, I think there might be a, sort of this uh, anti-hero vigilante character slash bounty hunter. Um, the, the the solitary uh, kind of tone that they're painting with this character leads me to believe that he's a bounty hunter. Which I know, Jim, you you've joked before and said, okay, yeah, so. All uh, all Ugnots run carbon freezing chambers, <laughs> and of course, all Mandalorians are bounty hunters. Right. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I think I, you know what. Look, they, they want this to be Boba Fett. Clearly, they they they're not going to make the Boba Fett TV series, but it's something that they, I'm sure, are thinking about as they're creating this series. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about the mystery about Boba Fett and how that was sort of lifted uh, where, you know, um, let's face it, 
The thing that makes Boba Fett such an attractive character to anyone who observes him is the coolest damn armor you've ever seen any sort of sci-fi character wear in your whole life. I mean, it, it, it just transcends everything. It's, I love the bounty hunter look. I mean, and that's what we knew him as, too. You got to keep in mind, <laughs> when Empire came out, they never called him Boba Fettner. Every kid in my neighborhood just called him Bounty Hunter for the longest time. I got this iron-on T-shirt down the block, and it was Boba Fett and was kind of, like, sparkly and stuff, too. And <laughs> I walk around, and, and, like, I would move, but the T-shirt wouldn't. You know, it was, like, like all starchy and everything. And everyone would look at it, and they'd be like, ooh, the, the bounty hunter, bounty hunter. And it's like, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett, fool. And so, <laughs> you know, but we had to get. Boba Fett. We, Boba Fett. <laughs> we had to get the iron on. Legit. The iron on T-shirt. It was like all plasticky and it was kind of sparkly. I think I saw Chris Mock. Yes. As a matter of fact, in an episode of Chris Mock's Star Wars fan reality TV series, The Real Fans of the Saga, we confront him at Star Wars Celebration, and he's wearing the same T-shirt. He had that Boba Fett T-shirt, that very same T-shirt where oh I had to edu- I had to educate the hood by marching up and down the block wearing that that plastic iron-on starchy shirt. It still itches when I think about it, but I proudly wore it, and it said Boba Fett on it, and no one knew that that was his name. Unless they were kids who actually mailed away for the action figure. But, you know, there were a lot of kids. Older kids certainly didn't give a damn about the toys. Um, most of them didn't. And uh, so they just would call him the bounty hunter. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, seriously, seriously. Um, now everyone knows Boba Fett. It's almost as if he was a lead character in the original trilogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeremy Bullock, who uh, famously portrayed Boba Fett, said it was all about the gun and the armor. It was all about the costume. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The first time I interviewed Jeremy, we had that very discussion. Let's talk about your character, Boba Fett, certainly one of the most popular characters in Star Wars. How much of that can you take credit for, and how much of that do you think the suit will have to take credit for? Well, I think I've always said it's not underplaying it. I think the suit, um, the costume is quite fantastic. That's that's a great start. I'd like to think that I had a, an awful lot to do with how the character was portrayed, because otherwise there'd be no point in being an actor. Um, the way he moves, this sort of... Slow, he's almost in slow motion. The bounty hunter like uh, Clint Eastwood in A Fistful of Dollars. He's very cold, very calculating, and then suddenly he does his job, and then he goes back into this snake-like waiting for the next victim. It, and, I mean, it was enormous fun to play, uh, but obviously the costume has to take a huge amount of credit. I thought also a nice touch is when you're talking about that old western motif was they actually added the sound effect of spurs jangling when you walked in certain scenes. Um, do you know that's a new one on me. That's 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 rather good. I can't I you know I don't even remember that. Sure. I can't remember hearing the uh, the spurs and the clinking of that. That sounds rather good. When you um, watch the movie, the scene where Boba Fett walks in behind Darth Vader at the Cloud City dining room is, is where you can really hear it really well. Well, you've got better ears than me. That's all I can say. We would be honored 
if you would join us. <laughs> so, all right, now here's a. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to go back to what he was saying about the mystery. Um, the mystery for the original Boba Fett is kind of lost. We know who he was. He was a clone of Jango Fett, uh, another, you know, guy wearing the same armor. And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it's kind of diminished the mystery of the character. So having a reboot without it necessarily being a, quote, reboot and having another character wear that armor and never removing the helmet and maintaining that mystery, that could be potentially an element of the live action series. For sure. Um, You know, I do have to throw this out here before we... uh go on with another voicemail. This this caught my eye. Uh, you know, when you're scrolling for the uh, Star Wars headlines, this comes from ScreenRant.com. And here's the headline, 20 crazy details about Yoda's anatomy. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, so I was right. just wondering, I, I, you know, I mean, who, who wrote this? Where, uh, where, where on the dark web did you find this? Uh, I, you know what? This is all on the up and up. So I want to see how much, uh, Jim, you know about, well, Yoda's anatomy. Okay. okay so right. some of these are really obvious and, and some of them not so much. So I'm going to sort of turn... Uh, these facts into questions. So we're going to sort of do a Jeopardy here. Oh, boy. Uh, where, you know, where uh, I'm going to ask a question out of this fact and then you, you, you know, do your best to answer. Um, but we're going to start here. So this is 20 details about Yoda's anatomy. Crazy details. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, first of all, question number one. Yeah. Uh, what is Yoda's species? Yoda's species? Okay. Oh, you got the Jeopardy music? Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, Yoda's species. I always speculate. Now, this is never anything that's been proven uh, or even spoken about in any sort of Star Wars medium. Expanded Universe, Legends Universe, Disney Universe, Lucas Universe. It doesn't matter. It's never been spoken about. Yoda's species. And I always assumed with Yoda being 900 years old, I figured that's kind of uncommon, right? You know, 900, that's like extremely uncommon. So uh, history has never recorded any sort of evidence of a human being growing to be 900 years old. But look at Yoda and think about people, humans, as they age. Mm -hmm. Think Think about grandpa, okay? He shrinks a little bit, gets a little hunchbacked. Loses his hair, his ears get bigger, and he has a funny laugh, maybe walks around with a cane. Now, multiply that by, you know, 900 years. You know, I mean, just like take Gramps and shoot him up to 900 and imagine what he'd look like then. His skin would definitely change a different color. He'd shrink so much. I think that Yoda is actually a human. I, because he says to Luke, when 900 wow. years old, you get look as good as you will, not mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> when 900 years old, you reach, look as good, you will not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because believe it or not, when Yoda was Luke's age, he looked better than Luke. 
you know. I mean, he was a heartthrob on the front cover of, you know, magazines like Seventeen and right. Well, I just ask Yaddle. Yaddle was there too. Uh, Yaddle now, still another has the pinup. All right, now hold on a second. We got to get to the truth of the matter, okay? Well, the fact is, the answer to this question is that Yoda, his species remains unknown. However, George has dropped. Uh, a couple of, uh, I, I don't even think you can call them hints because they're certainly comedic. They're not meant to be taken literally. But at one time, George joked that Yoda was a frog. And I believe that goes back to kind of the episode two where he's talking about, uh, you know, how he wanted Yoda to fight. And he talked about, well, I've always sort of seen him as a frog so he could kind of jump around, hop around. Mm-hmm. Um, the second reference is that he did claim at one point that Yoda was the illegitimate child of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. Okay. Well, that's all retrospective stuff, you know? I mean... Yes, 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 yes. You know? Um, And of course, that's easy to say with Frank Oz down there with the hand up the butt. It's... You know... (laughs) Uh, Okay, all right. We get it. A a lot of people, when when Yoda first debuted, a a lot of uh, my peers... A bunch of twelve-year-old boys. So take this with a grain of salt. But um, well, we all thought he sounded like Fozzie Bear or Grover. Grover was especially. Mm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's Grover. Grover's a Jedi now. Mm. So I didn't want to hear any of that garbage back then. I completely lost myself in the magic of the amazing things I was seeing on the screen. I wouldn't listen to those kids when they're like, oh yeah, it's. So that's Grover up there, right? You know. Now here's a here's a note about his uh, his robe. It says he's one of the few Jedi who could fight while still wearing a robe. Uh, you know, you got Qui Gon and uh, Obi Wan in Episode One. They take the robe off. They slip it off there as they go into battle with uh, with Darth Maul. But uh, Yoda's robe uh, doesn't come off. He's got his duel against Darth Sidious in Revenge of the Sith. Um. And uh, and then, you know, of course, when he's fighting uh, Dooku, he's still got the robe going on. So uh, Yoda keeps the robe on, whereas lesser Jedi take it off. I don't really feel that that's part of his anatomy. Hey, you know I, what? I, I have to correct that because at the end of the duel with Sidious in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda loses his outer cloak. He does. That's he right. Because it, it sort of floats down to the. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, but do we see how that happens? Uh, Is he throwing it out there as sort of a decoy so Sidious will think that he got the best of him? Well, you know, they did search for his body and could never right. find it. They were confused by the whole situation. So maybe it was the falling cloak that acted as a decoy, and they thought that was Yoda tumbling down into the abyss there beneath the Senate Rotunda. Yes, you know what? It was the ro- so the, the robe. Uh, I never thought sort of about slips it. off of him. I never right? thought about it. I never thought about yeah. it. Yeah, that that that, yeah. that actually acted as some sort of decoy. Yeah. Huh. Uh, okay. Uh, what part of Yoda's body? Oh boy! <laughs> Don't you think they should have Hasbro should have or Kenner should have manufactured a. Tickle me, Yoda doll. I think that would have been 
the real big, oh, the big yeah. seller of like Christmas yeah. 1981. Forget the Cabbage Patch Kids or yeah. the Rubik's Cube or whatever the hell everyone else is putting under. Tickle me, Yoda. You can just tickle him. Tickle me, you do. <laughs> Why doesn't Hasbro manufacture that now? Don't you want a Yoda that you can tickle? I do. I do. I do. Yeah. We all do. So, uh, yeah. Tickle me, Yoda. Throwing that out. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. All right. This part of Yoda's body expresses his emotions. Jimmy Mack. Oh, I have to guess. Uh, I would say his ears. There it is. Yes. His ears express his emotions at certain moments. His ears will curl or unfurl. Right. Yeah. They kind of you know, uh, rise up a little sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he's, uh, this article calls out that uh, when he is focusing often heavily on the force, his ears will bend down and even start to lightly shake. You see this when Yoda pulls Luke's X-Wing out of the swamp and Empire Strikes Back. You know when you never see it? It's a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. You never see it in the original version of The Phantom Menace when Yoda's sitting there in the Jedi Council and he just looks like a green catcher's mitt with eyes. And he's just like, you see no expression on that Yoda at all. His ears no. don't do nothing. He's just, uh, you know, kind of like, like, almost like a paper bag puppet that Ooh. he's just there. And, and Samuel L. Jackson's just like, really? So he's like, you're going to CGI this, right? And, and you know, like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, no, this is it. No, this is. Yeah. Um, there it is. All right. All right. Here's another one here. This uh, points out that Yoda has an evil force twin, which we saw in, uh, in the Clone Wars. Right. This was the episode Destiny. Right. And... Uh, you know, evil Yoda. That was pretty wild at the time to see. Um, still is. But, still is, quite honestly. I still haven't yeah. really wrapped my uh, fandom mind around that whole sequence enough. You know, that's something that's worth revisiting. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. You know, For sure. the, the appearance of Darth Bane, voiced by Mark Hamill in that same episode, I believe. Mm. All right. A few more uh, Yoda facts here real quick. Here's one. He could keep his body in the afterlife. So he was the first of the living Jedi to begin training to become a force ghost after that ability was revealed to him by Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, But unlike Qui-Gon, Yoda was able to keep his physical appearance following his passing. Now, he wasn't the first. The first was. Darth Bane was the first. Well, I'm not. What movie was that? Well, no, that was that episode of the Clone Wars, though, when he oh, he appeared. Okay. So you're saying technically, yeah, okay, all right. The fact that it was in Clone Wars, that need a judge's ruling on this. Well, that's always been considered legit Star Wars canon. It is G level canon. Yes, comes from George himself. We're bringing G level back here on Rebel Force Radio. By the way, remember when I used to scold my children when they were very young if they did not uh, play with the action figures as uh, G level? Uh, oh yeah, oh yes. Uh, young Dylan uh, was uh, was uh, was was shamed uh, right on our podcast. He's only like three years old. He had because- I think Yoda was driving a sandcrawler. Oh, I had to put an end to that. Yeah, Yoda driving a sandcrawler at the Ewok village. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff going on. Awesome! 
need Luke. I need Luke. Guys, going down here. Hope you do. Then we all get to say guy. What do you want? Sand crawler. Well, don't, don't get the sand crawler down. You're still playing with the Ewoks. Well, the Ewoks will go in the sand crawler. The Ewoks will go in the sand crawler. Hey, we're G level. What? We are a G level canon family. Do you understand me? What does that mean? Nah, forget it. I'll get the sand crawler. Totally not G level, but yeah. that's okay. That's okay. He's grown up to be an absolutely genius kid, so I, yeah. I, I have no problems there. What color is Yoda's blood, Jim? Oh, wow. Um, uh-huh. I, well, you know, I, I would like to think he bleeds red just like we do, but I'm picturing a green or a yellow. But uh, oh. I, I'd like to think that Yoda bleeds red. No. Damn. No. Yoda's skin and eyes aren't the only parts of his body that have a light green tint. Yoda's own blood is also light green. Well, see, that discounts my whole human thing. But, um... Well, maybe that's what happens to blood after it, you know, lives and circulates in a human being for 900 years. Right. We, we have no actual medical history to refer upon to to take note of that. So maybe that happens. I don't know. Um, if if uh, next time you, you see Grandpa take a spill, you know, take a note of, like, his bloody elbow or whatever and report back to us uh, if it's, you, know, you note a green tint in there mm. or anything. I'll keep my eyes open. Yeah. Um, so this is revealed. Um, where? Where is this revealed? Well, let's see here. This is, uh, it's on Wikipedia. But so you when, know it must uh, be true. When do we see Yoda bleed ever? Revenge of the Sith? Carrying the light green color scheme so heavily, blah, 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 blah. No scientific nature. Now, now this is odd because in all of these other facts... They actually back it up with, uh, you know, a link or, you know, some sort of uh, canonical fact. But in this case, uh, they do not. Now, here's here's the thing that I recall when I read this. I said, oh, yeah, of course it is, because I remember on the bonus features of the DVD for episode two, Attack of the Clones, you had the whole uh, puppets to pixels uh, special right and the the bonus feature and and john Knoll or no excuse me rob coleman excuse me rob coleman is featured throughout the special talking about uh and and breaking down some of the shots of yoda from the empire strikes back and he specifically points to yoda's ears and talks about how you can see the green blood flowing through the ears oh yeah so yeah i remember that so I, I think that now this article does not cite that. But when I read the article, I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is. Of course, it's green. I remember Rob Coleman talking about that. Now, here's one that is uh, this is a little bit of a trick question. But I think you're up to it. Um, let's talk about Yoda's appendages. Oh, boy. Uh huh. Here we go. You knew this one was coming. Somebody called Billy D. <laughs> <laughs> How many fingers does Yoda have? Well, he has like a three, three, like a claw hand, three. Mm-hmm. Three. Is that, is that what you think? Well, he has the three. Is that your final answer? 
He's got three. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the the answer is depends on which movie. Really? Is there an inconsistency? There is an inconsistency. No, no really? Oh, my God. In The Phantom Menace, Yoda's feet have three toes matching the same number as his fingers. However, in Revenge of the Sith, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, the brief appearances of Yoda's feet reveal that he has four toes. To make things even stranger, the promotional images of Yoda for Revenge of the Sith showed him with three toes, which differed from the movie itself. Well, that's crazy. But what about the the hands, though? Well, I don't think there's been any question about the hands. I'm sorry. Um, Hold on. Let Let me double check here. Uh, yeah, yeah, three fingers on each hand, three fingers on each hand. Yeah, I was, I was I mixing so. up the toes with the fingers. I thought so. You're so, all yeah. said, I, I should have. Now, would you, what would you have guessed if I have said, well, how many toes does he have? Well, I would have said three to match the three with the hands, but. which is true in the Phantom Menace, but in the rest of the film appearances, Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. He has four toes. Now, my and even weirder is in the promotional images of Revenge of the Sith, he has three, which then in the film he has four. They don't talk about how many toes he has in The Last Jedi. I don't know if you see a good toe shot. You know, we don't talk about toe shots here on Rebel Force Radio. This is a family <laughs> show. I have to say that I'm looking at pictures of Yoda right now, and uh, they're very puzzling and confusing. Oh, here's one. Uh, pulling up, um, just because I had this out last week, The Essential Guide to Characters by Andy Mangles from 1995. Mm-hmm. So I love my vintage stuff. Who did the artwork in this book? This is a fabulous book. If you happen to come across a used bookstore or something, be uh, sure to look for Star Wars, The Essential Guide to Characters by Andy Mangles. It's a great early look, pre-prequel look at some of these original trilogy characters and expanded universe characters as well. Very detailed stuff, even including characters from the Ewok films and the Droids and Ewoks cartoon. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this stuff was like the Bible back then. Are you kidding me? I mean, this was it, man. If you want to know stuff about these characters uh, by Andy Mangles. I don't know who did the illustration in here, though, but the illustrations are really great. Hmm. And uh, Yoda clearly has three fingers and three toes. Yes. Yes. Until you see uh... Mike Butkus. Is what? the illustrator. Mike Butkus is the illustrator. Any uh, relation to Dick? I don't know, but that's a Chicago football legend, Dick Butkus. So maybe, maybe they are. Maybe if uh, somebody knows Michael Butkus, an illustrator based in Los Angeles, tell him to get a hold of us here at Rebel Force Radio. I'd love to talk to him about his work illustrating some of these early Star Wars characters, especially the expanded universe ones. Because here we have an illustration of Winter, who was known in the novels as an aide to Princess Leia Organa. And that was the only place you would actually see 
illustrated representation of that character is in a book like this when you consider the lack of Star Wars publications from the mid-90s. Like I said, mm-hmm. this is 1995. The expanded universe was very much still in its infancy. And uh, you have other characters in here from uh, <laughs> expanded universe mm-hmm. stories like Lobaka. Chewie's nephew. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Chewie's nephew, who hooked up with the young Jedi Knights, Jason and Jaina Solo, and their uh-huh. teenage adventures on the planet Yavin and beyond. Mm. <sighs> All right. Uh, how about this? <laughs> All of Yoda's species were remarkably Force-sensitive. Oh. Is that something uh, you knew? Did you assume... That Yoda's species is what helped make him uh, particularly Force-sensitive? Well, you know, the only other Yoda you see in Star Wars is in Episode One, and that's Yaddle. And uh, that was always kind of a puzzling thing that George threw out there. I think he was saying to us loudly and clearly that Yoda is a specific species from a specific planet. But he always kept that, despite my off-the-wall idea that Yoda is actually a 900-year-old human, which I still have fun with. But that Rob Coleman thing about the green blood in the ears, that kind of shoots it all down. I feel pretty (laughs) bummed about that. And I think George was making a statement. I think George was making a statement with Yaddle, saying, you know... Not only is Yoda the only Jedi Master, but you have here Yaddle, who looks just like Yoda, but she's got some hair up there and stuff. And, yeah, and she's kind started- longer. You know, she's not as cute as Yoda. You know, Yoda's kind of you know, squat and, uh, you know, he's got kind of the, you know, little cute creature thing going on. Whereas Yaddle was not. Well, was... Keep in mind, episode one, Yoda was the catcher's mitt with eyes. Well, so that's true. he didn't have the yep. cute. Nobody in that Jedi Council had the cute. And of course, you know, there was talk behind the scenes that Yoda and Yaddle, that was, there was a hookup going on there. Oh, and everyone yeah. knew it. No, I mean, we can talk about it now. That was right. 1999 for crying out loud. I think everyone pretty much knows it. And. You know, yeah, they they got together and you know, yaddle, yaddle, yaddle. <laughs> That's what they called it. Um, oh, how about this? Yoda can tell if someone used the dark side or the light side by touching them. Ooh, that's like that Christopher Walken movie. Remember that one where he would like shake your hand and he'd say, "You are going to be crossing a street oh. a week <laughs> from now." And you will be hit by a bus. Don't cry. Like he could see uh, your future. There were X-Files with that that thing. Uh, I don't remember the Chris Walken movie. You're going Uh, to be getting on an airplane. (laughs) And you should not board that airplane because it will explode mid-flight. He could tell you your future just by shaking your hand. Fabulous movie. All right, I'm looking it up here right now. I believe it's called The Dead Zone. Yeah. This is intense. Got a little girl screaming in the corner. Amy, 
Amy is my daughter's name. Your daughter's screaming. The house is burning. Your daughter's in the house. It's not too late. Hey, Amy. So you see, well, see now I want to know how it ends. Well, no, I, don't I, worry I'm, about I'm all totally that. Captivated. I mean, but that's an example there. So he just touches you, and he knows yeah. your. Fe- you'll be doing a podcast, and you'll be going off and many tangents. <laughs> all right. So they're saying that it's been shown that Yoda is able to sense how other force wielders are feeling at certain moments. So it's presumed that he could get a glimpse of a person's chosen side of the force simply by standing near them. Now, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I, this is this is reaching. Oh, this is bit. this is something from an obscure you know, game, like a role playing game or something like that. Where, you know, if you roll the well, dice, Yoda no, can no. do this kind of well, thing. Wait. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're making a little bit of a leap here. I mean, we see in episode 2 Attack of the Clones where he's meditating and he's like Skywalker is a terrible pain. You know, he's saying that to uh to Mace Windu. Yeah. Um or as my kids call him Mace Window because he <laughs> flies out the window. Um, so they're they're assuming that because he can do that that he could get a glimpse of a person's chosen side of the force uh, simply by standing near them. That's, that's lame. Like I said, that's probably some kind of role-playing game reference, you know. Uh, it's yeah, like so galaxy. This isn't, about his, this isn't about his anatomy at all. No, we wanted to hear about his butt. Yeah, well, here's one. Okay. How tall is Yoda? Yoda is well. They they say in meters. Uh, he's actually point six six meters, right? Two point one seven feet. He is actually even a little short for his species, and the short average, for a the average height of his entire species is said to be point seven meters or two point three feet. So he's a he's a little bit shorter. Yeah, Yaddle towered over him. Yeah, yeah. Well, she had that long neck. You know? No, that you was know? Yarel Poof. No, oh, well, yeah, Yarel Poof had a very high, de- a very tall neck. But no, no, Yaddle had a little bit more of the, the, uh, the kind of a skinny neck. Not a looker, Yaddle. Uh, I love that folk song. Yarel Poof had a very long neck. <laughs> Is that a Loudon Wainwright tune? <laughs> um, I love him. <laughs> I do too. Loudon Wainwright the third. Um, all right. His height helped him during his dueling. Um, so his help, his height helped his dueling abilities. So he kind of turned his disadvantage into an advantage by, uh, uh, jumping around there. You see him doing it with, uh, Dooku as well as Darth Sidious. So, uh, that would have been a big advantage for him. I, I think it'd probably been more of an advantage for him to be like, you know, seven feet tall, like Darth Vader, but Hey, when I thought of Yoda as a swordsman prior mm-hmm. to his debut as such in episode two, I, uh, you know, pre 2002, I thought Yoda would levitate himself and kind of, you know, meet the blade and make himself like taller that way. 
Like he would mm. just kind of, mm-hmm. And then the way they did it in Attack of the Clones, he was just like flipping and flapping around. You know, he's bouncing around. It was hard to follow. And uh, I remember Roger Ebert being rather harshly critical of that moment. Um, <laughs> he felt like it, it looked better when he saw it digitally projected. Because you have to keep in mind that episode two was the first advancement of digital projection into most major uh, movie complexes. And uh, typically you didn't have digital projection anywhere. It was far behind its time. And um, now you see it. It's it's actually quite common. But... uh, there were theaters installing digital projectors just so they could show the digital print of Attack of the Clones when it was released in 2002. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's really an advancement in cinema technology that George Lucas really can say that he is responsible for. Keep in mind, the entire industry was against the entire thing. I mean, they didn't want to have to buy all this new hardware and have to, you know, place it in all these theaters and stuff. But eventually George won out and and digital projection is now something that's rather commonplace. And that all started with Attack of the Clones. I remember driving out, taking a half hour drive out to uh, Woodfield, Schaumburg, Illinois, the Woodfield Mall. And having to go to their cinemas there because that was the most accessible digital projection of Attack of the Clones for me to see. And there was a slight difference in the print, Jason, um, visually, uh, Mm. that you could see in one scene. Do you know what that one scene was? There was a visual difference? Yes, Uh, yes. Are you talking about an additional scene? No, not an additional scene, but just a change, something an alternate version and a very small, very slight. Mm. Uh, why do I think it has something to do with uh, Anakin on Tatooine with the Tuscan Raiders? Oh, you're, well, you're close. It's Anakin at the end of the film. Be, when he's in that sequence, he's getting married. The wedding sequence with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hand, the hand there. Uh, you see his his droid hand has now replaced his the hand, the you know, part of the arm that Dooku cut off in that duel. Mm-hmm. In the original version that was being projected in your typical you know thirty five millimeter film theater, uh, his hand just was there at his side. In the digital print, in all future prints, he reached up. And grabbed her hand. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, that was a change. I don't think I ever knew that. That was a change. Wow. Yeah. So when, when most people saw Attack of the Clones in the theaters, that hand was just hanging there. But wow. all subsequent releases since then has had him reach up and grab her hand. Also, the scene when he freaks out in the Lars homestead. And he throws the stuff, and he's like, ah, Obi-Wan, eh, and he's like crying. And she comes, and she puts his arm around. That extends beyond that. Now, that I don't think that was in the original digital release. The first time I saw uh, that. Yes, he, 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 he kind of crumbles down there on the floor, and he says, uh, 
I'm a Jedi. Yeah. I know I'm better than this yes. or something like that. That was not yes, in the original right. release of Attack of the Clones. That's right. That's right. I think I, the first time I saw that was on a, like in the hotel, you know, when you can like switch on <laughs> that little box. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, holy crap, they got Attack of the Clones. I was at a bachelor party. <laughs> Everybody's watching some other where's kind of. Mac? Hey, where's Mac? We're doing the Shotsky. Where oh, is he? Oh, oh. All kind of crazy hedonistic stuff going on in the room right next to mine as I'm sitting there watching Attack of the Clones. Oh, noting oh. the difference. Oh, that, that scene extended by about 20 seconds there. <laughs> hey, something else is extending over here. <laughs> Bachelor party. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Okay. How about this? He's not as strong as Darth Sidious. Now, where do you come down on this? Well. Was Yoda really bested? Yes, he was. Mm. In Revenge of the Sith, Yoda was beaten in his duel with Darth Sidious. He did not choose to jump into Bail Organa's speeder and get the hell out of there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was not his choice. He wanted to stick his saber right through Sidious's chest. Yeah. And he couldn't make it happen. Our poor little green guy. Little green yeah. friend. But, uh, yes, definitely Sidious got the best of him. Thus well, the film. this Screen Rant article points out that after he, Yoda loses his lightsaber... That that's really when the uh, when the end came for him, that Sidious, uh, you know, was able to get the best of Yoda at the, after that point. Yeah. So with those force abilities, um, here's one. He befriended the creatures on Dagobah. Do you ever get that uh, impression? Yeah, because he was he just like. The force was oozing out of him there, and he he was really specific when he was teaching the lesson to Luke about it being everywhere around you, the tree, the rock. You know, you, you felt like I could feel the energy coming off of Yoda, his connection with his environment. And there was always that reasoning that Yoda ended up on Dagobah, not because it was like a really sweet spot to hide from the empire but because it was just teeming with life and so Mm. there was just so much life there not necessarily sentient life but just life in general and that's everything that brings the force together so yoda was able to just connect with his environment and spread his his force connection as wide as possible and that made him rather undetectable by the empire and the sith lords because mm. he was he was spreading himself amongst the life there and that was like his massive connection he had there and that was also something that helped amplify him in the living force so he was able then to monitor luke because he made it very clear long have i watched him he was monitoring luke so he had that connection with the living force that Qui-Gon Jinn talked about. At the same time, he is communicating with the cosmic force by being able to have conversations with Qui-Gon Jinn and make that connection with the force. And Obi-Wan was doing the same thing, essentially, on Tatooine. Um, yeah. Mm. 
both in exile, you know, spreading themselves in, in the, the environment around them. Despite the yeah. fact that Obi-Wan was in a basically deadened environment, he was still able to conceal himself enough. And that's the story we want to hear. Oh, for sure. Let's, yeah, please bring it on. Uh, he can deflect force lightning with his bare hands. We saw that. Yeah. Um, his species is primarily carnivorous. Well, uh, he has like a stew, root leaf stew he had, and that's a veggie dish. Um, well, you're not going to believe where they get this from. Oh, yes. Well, it, it, I guess it makes sense. Was from he eating those snakes? He had snakes there. Was he well, them? yeah, but he was not eating the snakes. Um, but th- what, what they're saying is, look, uh, Yoda's got some sharp teeth. Yeah, he does expose and, them. Uh, yeah. You will be. You will be. Uh, Yeah, so they're saying, look, animal that has teeth that sharp, they are definitely going to be carnivores. I dispute it. I dispute it. I say the, the shape of his dental work is in direct relation to his age and lack of regular dental checkup availability. There are no dentists on Dagobah. Mm. So when he does the you will be, you will be, he's been, you know, a couple decades in exile out there, right? Yeah. So this is not like he can just take the turbo, lift down a few levels at Coruscant, <laughs> and then go see his uh, dentist and, you know, get his regular cleanings. I mean, do you think his teeth looked all that great in the prequels? Fluoride work and whatnot. Well, maybe he was wearing dentures. Um, well, that could be. I mean, at 900 years old, I mean, my goodness. Yes, and maybe he lost them along the way, like on Kashyyyk, you know, when he was splitting, right. you know. It's like Chewie whipped him up there on his back. Maybe his dentures popped out. You just didn't see it. Um, you have to get the... Now, here's one... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I don't think I could speculate on Yoda's dentures further than I already have. I'm... <laughs> Please continue. How about this one? Uh, yeah. He's a skilled pilot. Now, this is news to me. All right. Yoda flies. He does fly uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. We saw it in the Clone Wars. He did He did take off in a Jedi Starfighter when he went off on his uh-huh. uh, journey. So we have seen Yoda pilot yeah, a that, ship. That was the journey when he went off and uh, fought evil Yoda? Well, uh, he it- took off and he went... Uh, he went uh, Gosh, I think he he visited Dagobah, and I think uh, he he uh, went some other places. Um, you know, he uh, visited the priestesses. He uh, had to fly his ship there. He was flying mm. a, your standard yeah, Jedi starfighter. Anakin Skywalker. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker covered for him. This is uh, in the Lost Missions, the the very mm-hmm. final arc of episodes. For the Clone Wars, only available on Netflix, The Lost Missions, uh, a.k.a. Season 6. Yoda's journey comprises the last four episodes. Ah, oh, Jason, we did Clone Wars Declassified about it and everything. You just need a refresher. There's, I definitely yeah, there's been so much. There's I've been, been drinking so much. So much I gotta get the <laughs> uh, we got to oh, pull you out of the lemonade. gutter and get you back to technical. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, I really, I, I, I don't remember that at all. Now, this is interesting here. They, they talk about uh, every time Yoda has taken the helm of a ship, there has never been a reported instance where the ship 
was damaged, even when being confronted by enemies. Not even Master Skywalker has a track record like that. So Yoda's skills hmm. as a pilot are apparently quite, quite great. Um, he doesn't really need his cane. Oh, yes. We know this from episode two. So he's a, he's a phony. He's a fraud. He's walking around. Well, he's fake. He, he's fake handicapped like George Costanza in that Seinfeld. He's yes. <laughs> no, he's conservative with his usage of the force to empower himself. He's always giving to the force. He's never using it to like make him more powerful or anything. He just exists within it. It's only when he has to tap into the force to defend himself or to protect someone else, then he's able to achieve full power and not he can cast a cane aside then. And it is possible for him to tap into that all the time. But he chooses not to because he shares the force. He's he's very um He's a, a very giving Jedi master, you know, especially when he's achieved the level of spirituality that he has. Mm. All right. Got just a couple more here. We'll wrap things up. Uh, ah, now this goes into The Last Jedi. The only Force ghost shown to have and there, a lot of hay was made about this, but he's the only Force ghost shown to have a physical effect on the world. Oh, when he's talking, when he shows up in the Last Jedi, exactly, and he exactly. hits Luke in the face with his cane, and he uh, brings down a bolt of lightning. And he brings he can actually yeah connect and control weather, so he's yep. achieved a power that's beyond you know everything. And so where has he been all this time? You know what's where he, what, has he been? What's yeah. he been up to? It seems like the the entire. Uh, State of the galaxy lays in the balance of this rise of power coming from the First Order and the people controlling that are tapping into the dark side clearly. Uh, where's Yoda been? He goes, Skywalker, long have I missed you. He's like, where the hell have oh, you yeah, been, right. man? Yeah. Where have you been? Yeah. You know, yeah, help a brother out. Where the hell has Luke been? Where the hell has Yoda been? You know, if, if they can get back into reality. So... Is Yoda off on a different plane of existence altogether? Maybe. That was hinted to by his interaction with those priestesses in that Clone Wars lost mission. Uh, see, i got to go back and watch Yeah, that. because Yoda story. achieves this different plane of existence. We really need to re-dissect those episodes. That could be something that would be fun to do to fill the time. While we're waiting for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine and The Mandalorian and everything. Yeah, we should do that. Finally, okay, one last one. His species has an average lifespan lasting several centuries. We know that. That's nothing new. We've known for, well, since 1983 that Yoda was 900 years old. But there is a claim here that this is the oldest recorded lifespan of a creature of his species leading many to believe that Yoda outlived the average lifespan by many years. Yeah. I, I always like to think that mm -hmm. Yoda was very unique. Just his mere existence was a miracle in the Force. Yeah. Uh, I've always ascribed that sort of uh, 
magical mastery of the Force. Like, he is the embodiment of the Force by the time he passes away in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And with Luke being there, you want that to Luke then to carry that mantle forward. What in it, what reaction in the Force happens where it's acceptable for Yoda to be removed from the physical plane? The baton must be passed, and the person to accept that baton was Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. But we never got to see what happened beyond Return of the Jedi because he was MIA in The Force Awakens and then a washout in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so I mean, to have that, that, that physical connection with The Force, you know, where, where does it exist? Where does that spirituality find a home in the sequel trilogy well hopefully those questions will be answered by episode nine just a few months away well a little longer than a few months like 14 months but it's coming it's coming we'll find out it's gonna be a long 14 months i think it's gonna be a long one but uh, uh, first, we, first teaser in the super bowl and then full trailer at star wars celebration chicago in april that's where the smart money is. All right, we got one more for you. Level Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody. <laughs> family Guy. Family Guy, no stranger to Star Wars parodies. Of course, Family Guy has been giving us wacky moments, uh, lampooning the galaxy far, far away for a very long time. I'd like to thank loyal RFR listener Zach Kaplan for uh, directing this to my attention. Here's a moment from Family Guy, the the episode that aired just this last week on the Fox Network, a brand-new episode of Family Guy. Stewie meets this kid in school, and they start to click, and he has a lot of fun hanging out with this kid. So they go over to the fast food restaurant, and uh, lo and behold, Star Wars Happy Meals are available. So Stewie and his new buddy uh, start comparing the the goodies, the the action figures that they get included in their Star Wars Happy Meals. Here's your Star Wars kids meal. Which action figures did we get? I got Kylo Ren. I got the role during the two months I was a hot actor, and now they're stuck with me. <laughs> I got Forrest Whitaker. Even as a toy, you can't tell where he's looking. Oh. I wish I had the poorly cast Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> All right, making clearly making a statement there. They hired me when I was hot for two months. Now they're stuck with me, Adam Driver. Hey, say, no, don't you dare. Adam Driver's awesome and very talented, and uh, he sure is good on Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Oh, and Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, And then Forrest Whitaker. Come on. Cheap shot with the Forrest Whitaker. How dare you, Stewie, you little sh**. That's going to wrap things up this week in a big way. (laughs) 
Hey, by the way, send your hate mail to Seth McFarlane, care of Fox. Well, I'm just saying we didn't do it. Don't be good. Don't be running around talking about how Rebel Force Radio is dogging on Saw Guerrera and uh, Kylo Ren. I, we're just we're just repeating it. You know, we're just repeating it. All right. Uh, don't forget, you can get uh, all access to Rebel Force Radio on Patreon. Go to patreon.com, and you'll never miss an episode of our bonus content like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, or RFR Q&A. Also, please, uh, we do appreciate it when you do patronize our sponsors. And this week is no different. Uh, The good folks over at Squarespace. So if you have a website that you've been trying to get off the ground, look no further than squarespace.com slash RFR. Make sure you get that free trial. When you're ready to launch, just use the offer code RFR and save 10% off your first purchase of the website or domain. Email address, uh, show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line 708-320-1737. That's 708-3201-RFR. You can find us on Facebook and the official website, rebelforceradio.com. We're on iTunes. Please subscribe and review. Rebel Force Radio. We appreciate the subscription as well as the reviews. Please, just one rule. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com on uh, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can find podcasts these days. That's it. We're out of here. We'll see you next time for Rebel Force Radio. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Oh.